This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It's the 11th day of October 2023. It's going to be a uh, rainy one here in the mountains, but we we have not had uh, much rain in the last two or three weeks. We are uh, pretty much in a drought situation. My lawn is very, very crispy. Although at this time of year it doesn't matter too much and it stops me from having to cut it as the fall uh, sets in. But anyway, uh, welcome. Uh, baseball last night, hockey last night. Uh, the hockey season has started <laughs> October the 10th and hockey season uh, began. The Bruins actually played tonight, uh, so we'll get to that. But we're going to start off um, uh, with baseball this morning and the Baltimore Orioles get eliminated last night by the Texas Rangers. Um, And my biggest takeaway from this, and this is just me being uh, the Red Sox fan that I am and and my discontent with the whole season that we just had, I keep coming back to the fact that Nate Evaldi started the game for Texas last night and proceeded to go seven innings, give up just five hits and a run, struck out seven didn't walk anybody through 98 pitches, 98 pitches, and 76 of those were for strikes. But no, the Red Sox, nah, they didn't need him. <laughs> it, it absolutely galls me when I think about the fact that the Red Sox just went through what they went through, a, a season that was just brutal uh, that led to their pitching coach getting fired at the end of the year. But, you know, you handed him Corey Kluber, you know, who was done. And, uh, you know, didn't last with the Sox very long before his shoulder finally gave out and, you know, had an ERA of seven. But we couldn't we, – we couldn't – the $10 million we spent on Corey Kluber, we couldn't pony up a little bit more and keep Nate Evaldi, could we? All he did for Texas this year was make 25 starts and go 12-5 and five with an ERA of – Three six and a whip of one point one four. No, we didn't need him. We also didn't need Michael Walker, who pitched for the San Diego Padres this year and pitched very, very well. No, I didn't need him either. Instead, we, you know, we ran through what we, what we, what we did this year, and so. But good for Nate Evaldi. And I'll tell you, the thing I love about Evaldi is he has shown himself to be a great postseason pitcher. And last night's performance is just another example of that. Uh, Aroldis Chapman tried to make it interesting at the end. He came on in the eighth inning for Evaldi, proceeded to give up a hit and a couple of walks, load the bases. They had to get him the hell out of there before things got ugly, and they brought in LeClerc, who got the final four outs. It wasn't a safe situation since they were up 7-1, but uh, it could have gotten very, very interesting. The way it did the other night when Texas had a big lead, 
and ended up winning the game ten to or eleven to eight. Um, you know, despite jumping out big. Um, Gunnar Henderson three hits for the Orioles last night. He was the biggest bright spot for the Orioles in this postseason. Uh, despite the fact that they won 101 games, they get bounced out of the playoffs. Um, and look, the Orioles had never been swept in a playoff series before. And, you know, granted, it's, it's – uh, I mean, they weren't swept in the regular season. But they get swept in the playoffs. Now, they've lost eight playoff games in a row, but that's like – over the last 10 years because they haven't been in the playoffs very much. And I talked about this before the series started. The fact that they didn't have playoff experience was going to be an issue. And there's no doubt about the fact that it was. Now, the other part about this last night, and we and we talked about yesterday about Dean Kremer getting the start for the Orioles. Dean Kremer, who is the son of Israeli parents, who has family in Israel with everything going on over there, you knew that it was going to be difficult for him to focus. And I'm not blaming the fact that he gave up six runs and seven hits in an inning and two-thirds on what what's going on in the Middle East, but there's it couldn't have helped. You know, came out last night pitching with a, a star of David necklace that, that he always wears, you know, and he's got a lot of family there. Um, his mother was actually at the game to support him, and, and your heart goes out to him. I mean, with everything else they've endured, uh, that was had to be a, a tough way for, for Kremer's season to finish. But the look, you know, and uh, the Orioles have nothing to be ashamed of. This team will be back next year. They will be back the year after that. This team is loaded. You know, when you look at all the young players that they have on this roster – you know, with Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman and Anthony Santander and Ryan Mountcastle and O'Hearn. And you just, <coughs> excuse me, you go down the list, you know, and with the exception of a guy like Aaron Hicks, who they picked up off the scrap heap from the New York Yankees this year, who was great for them uh, when he came over and, and uh, uh, you know, and, and Cedric Mullins. But you look, by and large, this is a team full of kids. They probably need to shore up that rotation a little bit more. But this team is going to be back next year. And they'll be back the year after that and the year after that. And look, the American League East is very, very competitive. But the American League East had an absolutely brutal playoffs. Toronto, see ya. Tampa, out. Orioles, out. You know, four teams in that division finished over 500, and the three that made the playoffs all got bounced out, and I think they all got swept. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> my, my buddy Tom Gentile texted me yesterday. And he was like, what What happened? You know, what happened to the AL East? It was, everybody was talking about it was the best division in baseball. And see ya. Toronto gets swept in two games by Minnesota. Tampa gets swept by Texas. Texas is 5-0 and in the playoffs. 5-0. and And this is a team that lost on the last game of the season. They would have been the division champions except for a loss on the last day of the season that gave the Houston Astros the division title. 
And you could make a case that uh, it was the best thing that happened at Texas. Now, we'll get to that in a minute because there's a lot of rumbling going on that this new playoff format puts the teams that did the best at a disadvantage because, you know, we've looked at, you know, the Dodgers. They're in danger of getting thrown out of the playoffs tonight. You know, 100-win team, 101-win team in the Orioles, out, swept. You know, Atlanta took them a little time to get things going after, you know, struggling in their first game against Philadelphia and struggling for most of the game in game two and then came back. So, you know, there's there's talk that, that it's a disadvantage <laughs> to, to win 101 games. Uh, I'm not buying it. Uh, but we'll talk about a little bit more about that in a minute. The funny part was last night, Texas fans, as they are uh, in the process of getting rid of the uh, the the Orioles season, are chanting, "We want Houston," you know. And and I've talked about that. I thought it would be cool to have an all Texas ALCS. Very likely, we're going to have that. But if you're a Texas fan. Be careful what you wish for. You know, really, if you think about it, the, the the Rangers' best chance probably is to have the Twins come back and knock the the Astros out of the playoffs because uh, those two teams played 13 games this season. Houston won nine of the 13. So, you know, let's let's maybe calm down a little bit. And uh, I'm not sure you want to you want to get the uh, uh, the Astros that fired up and say okay. We got something for you because they handled them well during the regular season. But Corey Seager last night, a home run. Adolis Garcia with a home run. Seager's shot was a bomb in the first inning, went almost 450 feet. And then when Garcia hit a three-run bomb, it was 6 nothing in the second inning. First playoff win for the Rangers at Globe Life Field, their new ballpark. Of course, if you remember, it hosted the uh, 2020 uh, playoffs. It was a neutral site thing so that they could kind of control the crowds, et cetera. They gave out limited seats and all that. So it was their first actual win there. And Corey Seager loves it. If you remember... In 2020, when Corey Seager was playing for the Dodgers, he hit seven home runs there. So uh, he loves that ballpark, which might have been part of the reason why when he left the Dodgers, he signed with Texas. He signed a 10-year contract for, like, I don't know, $32 million a year. Um, So the Texas Rangers moving on to the ALCS for the first time since 2011. It's been a long time. And make no mistake, I mean, uh, you know, the fact that Houston handled them in the regular season aside, this is a really good Texas team. They've got a great lineup. I mean, when you you look at the fact that, you know, you've got Marcus Semien and Corey Seager and Mitch Garver and Adolis Garcia as your top four hitters, and then this young kid, Evan Carter, what a, what a find he's been. Right? I mean, the kid only played 23 games in the regular season. Came up late in the year, hit five bombs and 62 at-bats. 
hit over 300 in those 23 games, and he has hit very well in the playoffs. What a, what a surprise he was. And then the young catcher, uh, Haim, is really good. And then, I mean, they're so good. Nate Lau, his, who is, hits bombs, is a great power hitter, is hitting seventh. I mean, there really are not a lot of holes in this Texas lineup. Um, you know, the biggest holes that Texas has to deal with is in their rotation. You know, we know Evaldi's really good. You know, the problem is one of the guys that they're counting on in Max Scherzer, who they traded for, is banged up. Now, I mean, the good news is that Texas has a few days off now. And there's hope that perhaps... He'll be ready to come back for the ALCS. I doubt it. And if he does, my guess is he's going to be a bullpen arm. You know, he's dealing with that shoulder. He's, he thought he was close, and he's hoping to get back. And a lot of Texas fans thought maybe he'd be activated for the division series. He was not. Um, if the Houston-Minnesota series goes five, that will end on Friday. And then they'll probably have a couple of days off. They probably won't start the ALCS until Sunday or Monday, probably Monday. If that happens, that essentially gives Scherzer another week. So, you know, maybe he comes back. I mean, and I would, like I said yesterday, it would be cool to see him facing off against Justin Verlander in the ALCS, guys that started the year as teammates. So, uh, but we'll see. But a great win for Texas. Uh, and again, if you're an Oriole fan, you know, I know it's a sad day, but the future is bright for this Orioles team. And uh, they were one of the great stories of, of the 2023 baseball season. And losing here takes nothing away from all their accomplishments uh, this year. Now, the uh, Houston Astros, and I, and I look, I said yesterday, that I did not think the Twins had a chance. I really, and not just yesterday, I don't think they have a chance in this series. I think this Houston team is just too good. Look, Minnesota wasn't a great regular season team. They won 87 games. But, you know, for a good part of the year, they hung around the 500 mark. They finished up the season fairly strong. They won seven of their last ten. But this is a team that was under 500 on the road. And, you know, the uh, the thing they had going for them was being the Central Division champions and getting the home field advantage uh, in that first round of the playoffs really helped them. But at the end of the day, this team just doesn't have enough to beat the Houston Astros. They just don't. And we saw it yesterday, 9-1. Houston wins that game, and, you know, they did it with the long ball, as we've seen them do time and time again. Alex Bregman hit his first of the playoffs. Jordan Alvarez went three for five. He had another – he had his fourth home run of the playoffs. Jose Abreu, who had been very, very quiet, hit two. 
You know, Jose Abreu is a guy that came over from the Chicago White Sox as a as a free agent and was uh, underwhelming. Uh, he hit two thirty seven this year, which was the lowest batting average of his career. He hit look his last year in Chicago in twenty twenty two. He hit three hundred four. Now his power numbers have dropped from early in his career, where he was a you know he was a thirty home run guy. He hit 15 in 2022. He only hit 18 for the Astros this year. He did drive in 90. Well, that's going to happen when you're hitting in a lineup with guys like Bregman and Altuve uh, hitting in front of you that get on base on a regular basis. You know, but uh, this is a guy that still has power, still likes the big moment, and yesterday drove in five of the nine runs for the Astros. Um, You know, look, and Sonny Gray was great for the Minnesota Twins all season. Sonny Gray, you know, you got to put in perspective what Sonny Gray's season was like this year. He made 32 starts. He threw 184 innings, which was the third highest innings total of his career. He hadn't thrown that many innings since all the way back in 2015 when he was still playing for Oakland. Right? He had back-to-back years with Oakland where he threw over 200 innings. He hadn't thrown as many as that, uh, as 184 since then. And this is a guy who only gave up Eight home runs all season. Gave up two yesterday. He hadn't given up two home runs in a game in two years. Back in September 24th of 2021 was the last time he had given up two home runs in a game. And again, put this in perspective. He's the only the eighth pitcher since the year 2000, so in the last 23 years, who has thrown at least 180 innings and who has, set, who has allowed eight or fewer home runs in a season. I mean, it's unbelievable. So, you know, but he didn't, look, he just didn't have it yesterday. And I thought, you know, in the beginning of the game, there was there were shadows, and it looked like the pitchers were having, or the the batters were having a hard time picking up the ball. At least the Minnesota team was, and it was their ballpark. You'd think Minnesota would be used to it. Didn't bother Houston. Didn't bother them at all. So Gray ends up giving up five runs, eight hits, and four innings. And, uh, uh, you know, maybe he gets a chance to pitch again. I wouldn't count on it. The Astros are one of the best road teams in Major League best Baseball. They were 51-30 and 30 on the road this year. And yes, yesterday they were just ridiculous. Um, Christian Javier went the first five, only gave up one hit, struck out nine. He did walk five guys, but then the bullpen did a great job. Um, and uh, it'll be Jose Urquidy today trying to close this series out. Um, He's beaten the Twins in the playoffs before he did it in the AL Wildcard Series back in 2020. Joe Ryan is going to make his first career postseason start. And if, you, if you're the Twins, um, Twins fans, you're a little bit worried about today because Ryan has not done well against the Houston Astros in his career. 
He's thrown in in 14 innings in three starts. He has thrown a total of 14 innings in three starts. So he's only aver- he's averaging less than five innings a start. He's allowed 13 earned runs, nine walks, and three bombs in 14 innings. Yikes. So, <laughs> you know, uh, not looking good for the Minnesota Twins today. Um, but it looks like we're going to have an all-Texas ALCS. So, uh, I know, t- look, Texas is a football state. High school football is a religion there. College football is a religion there. The Dallas Cowboys are a religion there. Houston Texans, not so much. But the Dallas Cowboys, you know, are a religion. But for a week or ten days, when Texas and Houston face off in the ALCS, uh, I think baseball will be able to make a little bit of a dent into that. I mean, look, uh, Houston's still got a couple, of, a, couple of, or a couple of games left. Or actually, they only have to win one more. If they don't win today, they take it back to Houston where they'll finish it off on Friday. Um, but it is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, to watch those two face off. And uh, Houston is still trying to overcome the whole cheating thing. They are probably one of the most hated teams in baseball these days, and rightly so. Um, and i got to be honest, if it, yeah, I'm rooting for the Texas Rangers. I love Bruce Bochy, the manager, and um, Nate Evaldi, of course, uh, who is a uh, um, a Red Sox legend for what he did in the playoffs for the Reds, you know, for for Boston? So uh, I'm going to be rooting for the Texas Rangers, but uh, and I'm and I'm rooting for a Max Scherzer Justin Verlander matchup. Don't know if it'll happen, but I'm rooting for it. A uh, couple of games today in the National League. The Dodgers down two games to none. Need to win three in a row to not get knocked off by the Arizona Diamondbacks and gets bounced from the playoffs yet again early. Last year it was San Diego. This year it could be Arizona. The next two games are in Arizona. It's a 9:07 start tonight. And the Dodgers, again, if you're a Dodger fan, you're a little bit nervous. You've got Lance Lynn going tonight. Now, he was 7-2 and two with the Dodgers since coming over, but his ERA was a little on the high side. He, gives, he gave up the most home runs in Major League Baseball this year. Brandon Fott's going to get the start for Arizona. Now, if you're a Dodger fan, here's what your here's your hope. Um, Fott struggled this year. He's three and nine, had an ERA of almost six. So you would expect that the Dodgers will tee off on him tonight. And if that happens, you know, Clayton Kershaw will be back on the mound at Arizona tomorrow night. Clayton Kershaw, you know, wants redemption like nobody's business after not being able to get out of the first inning in game one of that series when he gave up seven runs in the first inning. You know he wants to get this back to Thursday so he can pitch again. You know, and honestly, if you're Arizona, you want to not you want this over tonight. Because the Dodgers will have a couple of pretty good starters, and, and you don't expect Clayton Kershaw to throw another stinker like he did in game one. So big game tonight, 9 o'clock start. And then, of course, the other game tonight, the Phillies and the Braves. Phillies win game one. Uh, 
shut out the Braves. Game two looked like it was going to be more of the same. Zach Wheeler had a no-hitter going into the sixth inning. Uh, but then the couple of home runs late in the game and a huge base-running mistake by Bryce Harper, and Atlanta wins game two, 5-4. to four. Next two games in Philly. It's a 5 o'clock start today. The game is on TBS. And, look, Philly's knocked the Braves out last year. They have the home field advantage because the next two games are in Philly. So if the Phillies win those games, it's over. But if it goes back to, to if it goes to a game five, it's down in Atlanta, and my money would not be um, on the Phillies. Now I would think, and again, we're going to have to see Spencer Strider, who was really good in game one, only gave up one run, ended up getting the loss, but he was really good in game one. What will be interesting is is if if the Braves win today and go up two games to one, will they come back with Spencer Strider to try to finish it off in Philly? Or will they go in a different direction and save Strider for a potential game five decider on Saturday? Uh, but I you know now if they lose Tonight, there's no doubt Strider pitches game four to try to keep them in the playoffs. But it'll be very, very interesting uh, to see what they decide to do. Um, you know, the other thing is, is the Phillies have a little bulletin board material, a, a dumb move by Orlando Arcia uh, in the clubhouse after the game and uh, the base running mistake by Bryce Harper. He was uh, filmed laughing at him and saying, boy, Harper. And uh, Bryce Harper, a very emotional player. You know, after hearing that, he's going to be fired up. And look, Bryce Harper has been good. He doesn't make mistakes like that very often. And I just think, I don't know whether whether he just had a brain freeze or whether he truly believed uh, that ball was not going to be caught by Michael Harris. It obviously was. He gets doubled off of first base. But um, 5 o'clock today. First game, of course, the 2 o'clock game. Um uh, Minnesota and Houston, and Houston could finish this thing off, so we'll have to see uh, whether that happens or not. It is 32 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of the new playoff system being a hindrance to the best teams in baseball. There was a column this morning in the Associated Press, and there's been a lot of people talking about it. I'm not sure I'm buying it, but we'll talk about it when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 35 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, by the way, I've kind of sequestered myself downstairs. My wife uh, is not uh, feeling very well, has uh, come down with some kind of a fall cold, and so I've uh, I've locked myself down here so I don't end up getting this thing. Um, so I may be down here all day watching baseball just to, and, and then fumigating the upstairs when she starts feeling better uh, so we can uh, keep the show rolling. Um, so a column this morning in the Associated Press. Um, and it basically says that the new playoff format is penalizing the top teams because they get too much time off. And obviously, the, you know, you look at the the Orioles who won 101 games, gone. The Dodgers, 
close to gone. Now, you know, the Braves, who won 104 games, yeah, they lost game one. They came back in game two, so, you know, they may be fine. But in, in since they started this current format, um, we've seen – well, last year we saw, like, uh, the top seeds um, – Houston and the Yankees last year both won their division series despite the fact they had that bye. But last year, of course, Atlanta and the Dodgers were upset, and we've seen it happen this year uh, perhaps with the Dodgers um, and already with the Orioles. So is it a detriment? And the, the, the argument is that Baseball is a sport that is about momentum. You know, this is a sport where you're used to playing almost every day for six months, right? Um, So the argument is, but all of a sudden you have a team that has five days off and they're like, whoa, you know, what do we do with this? And I, I I get why people look at it that way. Now, in the NFL, we have a bye week. So a team essentially has almost two weeks off. They could play on a Sunday and then not have to play again for like 13 days. And I don't see a lot of people griping about that. Now, I know I understand injuries are more prevalent in the NFL, and it's a chance for guys to rest their bodies, yada, yada, yada. I get all that. The injuries in baseball, there may be fewer of them, but the wear and tear on the body over a 162-game schedule is not insignificant. And I don't, you know, I would be willing to bet you there isn't a player on any of these teams, except for maybe a guy who, you know, who plays once a week. I'll bet you there is not a player on any of the teams that make the playoffs that isn't sore or isn't nursing some kind of an injury late in the season. You would think having those five days off would be an advantage. Um, And... You know, we've we Dave Roberts kind of alluded to this, like he kind of thought that it was uh, that it hurt his team. Um, I haven't heard Brandon Hyde say anything like that, but I, I just don't know that I'm buying it. If you're a good team, you're a good team. You know, it's not like uh, you know by having five days off, the Atlanta Braves suddenly stunk. As a matter of fact, you can make a case with a guy like Charlie Morton who is part of their rotation being injured. Those extra five days off gave him an opportunity to get better and maybe be available later on in the playoffs. I think that you can you can definitely make that case. You know, did it hurt the Baltimore Orioles? I you know, I it's it's an to me it's an easy excuse. If you won a hundred games in the regular season, it wasn't by accident. 
And Clayton Kershaw, who's 35 or 36 years old, I'm not sure is going to tell you that the reason he got bombed in that first game is because he had extra rest. They were giving him extra rest all year to try to to try to help him with his injuries. We saw that a lot of teams do that late in the year, give their guys, you know, their starters extra rest. So I think it's just a convenient excuse. You know, we've seen times where teams have had three, four, five days off in the playoffs before. You know, you, you go into a where the you go into a seven-game series, you sweep in four, and then the other, you know, the other team on the in the other league goes seven games. All of a sudden, you find you've got a week off before you start the World Series. It's not the first time this has ever happened. I just think it's a convenient excuse. You know. Um, if you really believe that it is a problem, I guess that what you could do, and this is one of the things that was brought up in the article, is, okay, well, since they build in extra days before and after the wild card series, maybe you take those days away and shorten it up by a couple of days. You know, the argument was, well, that could be a problem for scheduling for television. Screw television. They're paying, you know, a lot of money. But at the end of the day, Major League Baseball controls that product. They're not going to say, well, we're not going to broadcast the game if you don't have it on these days. You know, if you really believe there's a competitive disadvantage, there's ways you can eliminate, you know, a day or two. There's no question about that. But I still think it's a convenient excuse. I'm not buying it. And to me, it's sour grapes. Um, and it, it's happened in every other sport where you get time off. And in almost every other sport, it's welcome. And I guarantee you in the NBA, they love having extra days off. The NHL, same deal. So, you know, again, I, you know, pipe down about this. I just think that uh, you're just coming up with an excuse because a team that won 100 games lost. At the end of the day, this league is about pitching and defense. And the Baltimore Orioles lost that series because their pitchers underperformed, period. You know, they still hit the baseball, right? I mean, the Orioles – you know, they may have lost that series. You know, they got good pitching in game one, but they're pitching stunk in game two, and they're pitching stunk in game three. There's no other way to put it. So, you know, you want to, you know, you want to gripe about something, gripe about the pitchers just weren't good enough, and it wasn't the extra days off. I'm telling you, there's no way that was, that's, that's a convenient excuse. You know, you want to gripe about something, maybe gripe about maybe Brandon Hyde started the wrong guys or in the wrong order. I don't know. And look, you know, Arizona is hot. But Clayton Kershaw stunk, and they gave Clayton Kershaw seven days off between starts several times this year. So convenient excuse. Uh, one other quick baseball note. Um, interesting. A, a kid in Japan um, 
is set to graduate high school, and he is going to, instead of going into the uh, Japanese league and becoming eligible for the uh, the draft in, in the uh, the Japanese league, is he is going to come to the United States and go to college. This kid is 17 years old. He's hit 140 home runs in high school. It's a Japanese high school record. Kid is huge. He's six feet tall, weighs 250 pounds. People are calling him the Japanese Cecil Fielder. Um, so he is going, instead of going into the Japanese League, where, by the way, if you go into the Japanese League, you have to wait nine years before you can leave and sign freely with any Major League Baseball team. Otherwise, you have to, you know, your team has to post you, and Major League teams have to pay all kinds of. Uh, you know, millions of dollars just to get the rights to negotiate, yada, yada, yada. So he's going to come to the United States. If he does that, he would become eligible for the Major League Draft in 2027. I mean, this just doesn't happen. I I think there's only one other uh, situation where this happened. Uh, A kid came uh, a couple years ago and played – for two seasons at Mount Hood Community College and then spent his junior season at Oregon. Uh, his name was uh, Raikou Nishida, but he, he, and he was, ended up being an 11th-round draft pick by the White Sox. Most people think this kid is going to be a top selection. Unless he comes over here and completely flames out, he's going to be a top uh, one- or two-round selection here in, in the majors. Now, it means he'll probably get a bigger signing bonus, and money won't go to the Japanese league. They're not going to be happy about that. But he theoretically could be eligible for the draft in 2027. But uh, just something that you don't usually see. So I thought that was kind of cool. 45 minutes past. Yeah, when we come back, we're going to look at hockey. Connor Bedard, the number one pick in the uh, most recent NHL draft, made his debut for the Chicago Blackhawks last night and did pretty well. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call. Here on a Wednesday morning, uh, Connor Bedard, the number one pick in the NHL draft, uh, suited up last night for the Chicago Blackhawks. He's 18 years old. I, I, watched, uh, I watched the game. I was switching back and forth between that and baseball, but fortunately baseball helped me out because the game was a blowout. Um, but my first thought when I saw him come on the ice was, my God, he looks like he's 12 years old. Now, he's 18, but honest to God, talk, uh, look up baby face in the dictionary, and Connor Bernard's picture is there. Holy crap. Now, having said that, didn't play like he was 12. Didn't play like he was 18. Looked pretty good. Uh, kid had his first career point, had an assist in the game. Um, took, I think he had five or six shots on goal. Looked poised, took a couple of big hits uh, early. Didn't seem to phase him. The only thing that he struggled with last night uh, was face-offs. He only won two of the 13 face-offs that he took last night. But by and large, I mean, the kid was as advertised. He's faster than fast, uh, showed good control of the puck. Uh, It took him six minutes to get his first shot. He's playing on the power play. I mean, I'm telling you what, he's going to be good. And uh, Boston fans will get to see him uh, tonight. They will take on the Bruins. The Bruins' uh, season opener is tonight, and it's against uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. So, but a great, 
uh, performance by Connor Bedard and uh, gave the Blackhawks what they needed. Look, the Blackhawks got him for a reason. They stink. Well, they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins last night 4-2. This was a uh, – the Penguins were up 2-0 in this one. Chicago ended up uh, with four unanswered goals. Uh, Peter Morazic, 38 saves for the Blackhawks, and they end up winning the game. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, not what they used to be. They had made the playoffs 16 consecutive years before last spring, and it looks like it is going to be another long year uh, in Pittsburgh. They did retool. Uh, they added uh, Eric Carlson on the blue line. It's going to help, but I don't think this Pittsburgh team is very good. But a good win for the Blackhawks, and uh, Connor Bedard is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I, it was great last night. Um, then I watched, after the uh, that game got over on ESPN, they had the, the Golden Knights game. Of course, the Golden Knights, the defending Stanley Cup champions, and they had, they showed the ceremony where they uh they raised the banner and they had the cup there and oh my god in typical vegas faction fashion it was completely over the top you know they're setting the the damn cup down on like a slot machine and oh my god it was i mean yeah it was corny as corny can be but uh look this golden knights team may very well win again um, they are probably the odds-on favorite to repeat as Stanley Cup champions again, uh, and they whacked the Kraken last night 4-1. to one. Uh, Jonathan Marshall with a goal as well. Uh, the Golden Knights, this is just their seventh year. They are 6-1 and one in home openers. The only time they lost was back in 2018. Uh, and they don't just win them, they win them big. Um, but uh, a... A good win for them, but my God, that 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 banner ceremony last night was just uh, out of control. Um, they will travel to San Jose on Thursday, and the Kraken will be coming close to my home. They'll be playing at Nashville on Thursday. One of the things I vowed this year, by the way, I'm going to get to uh, to Nashville to watch a Predators game. Um, you know, I get you know, look, I kind of rooted for the Bruins. I was, you know, a Whaler fan, and then after the Whalers left, I've kind of rooted for the Bruins. I will never root for the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, even though I live in Carolina because they were the former Whalers, and we've been through that on this show. Um, so I've kind of adopted the Nashville Predators. So I'm going to try to get to a game this year. Uh, you know, I think you know the New Englander in me will still, you know, have a uh, a soft spot for the Boston Brewers, but I'm going to kind of. Uh, adopt the uh the predators and and nashville's only about four hours from here so my wife and i are going to get there we love nashville it's a beautiful city by the way if you haven't been great place to go it's very clean people are friendly uh it's a fun place so we're looking forward to uh to uh, going there again and uh, i think we're going to try to take on a predators game as i said the bruins start tonight uh it's going to be interesting uh a lot of changes uh to this uh with uh uh, with the retirement of Patrice Bergeron and uh, David Krejci being gone, it is going to be a different look. This is a Bruins team that set all kinds of scoring records last year, most points ever in an NHL season. A lot of people don't think they'll make the playoffs this year. You know, when you lose the guys that you lost, it's rough. Um, they've added James Van Riemsdyk. He's going to be on the the number one line with Pavel Zaka and David Pasternak, but it just you know. 
if I tell you what, if Patrice Bergeron had not retired, I think people would have looked at this completely differently. Uh, but now you look at that line, and you know maybe your number two line is like Marshawn, Coyle, DeBrusque. It just it, they're just not going to have the same offensive firepower uh, that they had in the past. The only chance they have is that that goaltending tandem stands on their heads the way they did last year, uh, because Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman were great last year. And if they can repeat that, then the Bruins have a, a puncher's chance. But eh, I'm not feeling real good about it. But game time tonight, 7 o'clock uh, in Boston. Uh, sad note out of hockey, um, Barry Melrose is retiring. Barry Melrose, former coach of the Los Angeles Kings, actually took him to a Stanley Cup final, um, has been a broadcaster on ESPN for the better part of uh, uh, 40 years. And uh, 40 years? No. What am I saying? 25 years. Um, And he has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. He is 67 years old, and he is going to be uh, stepping away. He's retired, and uh, that's going to be a loss. He's been a uh, – he was hired – actually, it was almost – yeah, almost, yeah, 27 years ago. He was hired in 1996 by ESPN, and uh, with the diagnosis, he is going to, you know – uh, we've seen what Parkinson's can do. You, you just have, don't have to look any farther than, uh, you know, what happened to like Michael J. Fox and, you know, and who has been very public about his battle with Parkinson's and uh, Barry Melrose is going to uh, uh, take time to uh, uh, on his care and, and, you know, try to live um, with that as long as he can. So I have to wish him the best, but he is going to be, uh, that's a big loss to the broadcasting hockey broadcasting community because very well respected. Um, and uh, this sad news came down. Mary Lou Retton is in intensive care and has been for the better part of a week. Her daughter announced that she's got some kind of uh, rare form of pneumonia. She hasn't uh, been able to breathe on her own. She's uh, in a Texas hospital. Uh, she's 55 years old. And, of course, remember the darling of the 1984 uh, Summer Olympics in L.A. Um, she was only 16 years old at the time and you know, cute little girl and just so... Uh, uh, physical and uh, the athletic, and you know, th- she changed a lot of the way we look at gymnastics. I think you can look at what Simone Biles is doing now, and uh, the evolution of gymnastics began with Mary Lou Retton. And I think that you know, Simone Biles is a direct result and a de- uh, of what happened in the 1984 Olympics. So Mary Lou Retton, I, you know, keep her in your prayers. Uh, they didn't say she's about to die, but uh, if you've been in intensive care and not able to breathe on your own for a week, uh, it doesn't sound good. So uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for her. And uh, this is sad and, and kind of heartwarming at the same time. Did you see the story last week? This woman who was 104 years old, her name was Dorothy Hoffner. 104 years old and went skydiving, jumped out of a plane at 104, became the oldest person ever to do that. Uh, and it was so cool. They, they, they interviewed her afterwards, and she was like, age is just a number. Uh, she died yesterday. Uh, she made the, uh, the dive just, uh, what, a couple of weeks ago and uh, passed away in her sleep at the age of 104 years. She jumped out of a plane at 13,500 feet at the age of 104. I'm not doing that at the age of 63 unless the plane is on fire. So uh, good for her. 
you know, she went out on her own terms and uh, died peacefully in her sleep. But uh, uh, just I uh, thought that was kind of a, uh, like I said, it was sad, but at the same time, very heartwarming to see somebody talk about uh, uh, getting the most out of life and grabbing life by the horn. She certainly did that. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Becky, it, it, my friend Becky Decker, who uh, a big Baltimore Orioles fan, Philip Phillips is uh, going to sing the Baltimore Orioles to sleep. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.